The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for being with me today on Afternoons with Mike, coming to you from the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. It's happening right now during this entire week down at the World Marriott Center, and that's where I am, and that's where I've been able to catch some great interviews, and we're going to share those with you right now. Here at the NRB, and with me is Pastor Todd Coconado. Man, it's great to meet you. You're an author, you're a speaker, evangelist, and yes, you've, you're actually involved in a big way in kind of like our culture, yes. helping, helping things and really trying to draw attention to what's going on in the country that's going in the wrong direction, right? Yes, sir. Well, Mike, it's great to be here with you, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, that's correct. You know, we're, we're seeing uh, the battle that we're in, which many people say it's a cultural battle. I, th- I feel it's a spiritual battle. Uh, as a pastor, you know, looking at what the Word of God said would happen in the later days, we're seeing these things yeah, playing out. Yeah, something. Things I heard about my entire life. Right. And I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's happening faster and faster. Yeah, it and, really is. Uh, so I think it's exciting. I mean, I kind of call it the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. Because yeah. while there are so many egregious things that are happening that are super concerning, uh, to people like ourselves, the people that love the Lord and you know live according to the Word of God, there's also an undercurrent of revival that's happening in our nation right now, where people are kind of, uh, I, I think they're hungrier than they've been in, in the entire time that I've been in the mm. ministry. And we've been, a, uh, I've been a pastor for about 25 years and I've never seen it. I'm the only other time where I could think it was kind of like this was during nine 11 where everybody kind of yeah. was worried about the country and everything. But, um, the last three years, uh, the lines at our tent crusades and, uh, different things that we do around the country have never been as long of people that are you know, coming uh, off of drugs and addictions and leaving their drug sacks at the altar. And uh, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, we, we've, we've seen this all around the country. So clearly something is happening. And, right. uh, yeah. So I think what's happening is a lot of people, even if you talk to an atheist, uh, they will tell you uh, things are not right. Something's wrong hmm. uh, with our government, with our country. Uh, they see the the morality has just slipped, you know, down off the abyss. Yeah, and uh, no doubt, you, you know, there's questions with children now, you know, uh, changing genders and and you know, young age way before they should be allowed to make a decision like that, which is a life altering decision. There's just so many different things that are happening culturally that I think even those that don't have a relationship with God can see this. So I think that's what's drawing people out of darkness, and they're looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. And of course, that hope is in Jesus Christ. It really is. And you know, when we think about even the cultures, uh, like you mentioned, this whole gender, uh, it's a revolution. It is. But recently, that word was also used in a big movie that was a look back into a time frame that would be exactly what you're talking about, a move of God that yes. happened in the late 60s, That's right. early 70s. It's called the Jesus Movement. Yes. And I hear many people praying 
the recent Asbury United Methodist, yes, uh, sure. the seminary yep. had that outbreak. Do you, Todd, do you believe that uh, that is imminent in America, a, a kind of almost like another awakening? I do. Uh, I do believe there's going to be a great, I call it a great end time harvest before the Lord returns. I think that that is probably why we're still here as a country. Um, when you think about all the challenges uh, from a geopolitical standpoint, both abroad and at home, uh, you know, the financial challenges in our economy. I mean, we just hit, I think, $32 trillion in yeah. debt. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable to think. So it's like over $220,000 uh, per taxpayer, I believe, or somewhere around those. Yeah. And you know. it was not long ago. We weren't even in the trillions yet. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I can really think in, crazy. in my lifetime, it's just ballooning. So you see yeah. all these things kind of coming to a head, but yet here we are. Uh, I'm still able to speak freely on your show, praise yeah. God. Yeah. Um, and something is happening in the spiritual aspect, like you said, Asbury, you know, we're a bunch of kids. We're at the altar repenting. And uh, it, it just went on and on. People started converging on that small town uh, from all over the nation and world. People That's were coming right. from They're other countries. In. You know, and yeah. then you mentioned Jesus Revolution. So I have a u- unique perspective about the Jesus Revolution because one of my dear friends and a mentor is Mario Murillo, and he was involved in uh, the Jesus movement very closely. He knew yes, all the players was. in the movie. And so uh, we're actually doing a show together, and, you know, we go on tours together and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he's, he's talked a lot about that. So it's just interesting to see these things coming to life, like you mentioned, the movie, the Asbury, many other universities. I was just this last weekend in Louisiana in a town called Hammond, and there's been a tent crusade that's been meeting almost every night for the past year. Uh, that you know, is people, that right? Yeah. So people don't even hear about some of these things, you know. So th- this is I call it pockets of revival. And uh, I believe at some point these these different streams, these pockets are going to come together because God is the only hope. You know, as much as it's important for us to get involved politically and vote our values and to get involved in all areas of society, ultimately the only hope for this nation and and the world is Jesus Christ. Uh, Politics will not change a person's heart. That's correct. And we know that only God can do that. And I agree with you completely. You know, as we look at this, people like yourself who are out there kind of standing and and, and shouting out to the world and, and making a point, uh, that's something that everybody's going to have to do. We're going to have to be courageous in the days to come. Would you agree? I, I'm so glad you said that. For many years, they, they said the silent majority. You know, that's what we were called. And uh, if you look at the statistics, I mean, there's a good portion, around 60 to 65% of Americans that still identify as Christian, either Catholic or Christian, Protestant. Uh, so that's a large portion of our population uh, so why is it that such a small group is steering the direction of the country? Well, I think that's because so many families, moms and dads, they're busy. They're busy with soccer practice. They're busy during the week. Some working two jobs. You know, there's inflationary challenges now. And, you know, it's hard to even make it as a family and, and to, to have all the things that we had when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, so I think just many people have been busy. And so they just assumed, you know, the people that are running the government, they're going to do what's best for us. Well, that's not really the case. I mean, if you look at the policies and you look at many of the things that are going on in our society, that's not true. So we've now come to the understanding we must not be the silent majority. We must get involved at the community level. We got to go to the school board meetings. We got to go to the community meetings. We got to. Some people are called to run for office in their city. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a friend, General Michael Flynn, and he, you know, he always talks about uh, local action you know, and, and local impact, you know, and that has a national, national response, you know. Yeah. So we start at the local level. And he's right about that, you know, because I think, uh, you know, a lot of these things that we're seeing that have stopped some of the egregious things from a Christian perspective have been because of the local action and and people that sit up and said, no, we can't have that. That's insane. We got to, you know, we're not teaching our kids that, but 
it took, I think, during COVID, uh, where a lot of parents were watching some of the curriculum at home yeah. with their kids on Zoom meetings. It was a wake-up call. They didn't realize yeah. what these kids were yeah. being taught, yeah. you know, very sexualized things and things like that. So this really kind of stirred a lot of, I call them mama bears and papa bears, but, <laughs> you know, they, they started getting, hey, wait a minute, we got it. This is ridiculous. You know, so it, it, what it did was it, there was a backfire. And so this is what's happening right now is that the people are getting involved. That silent majority is no longer silent. The school board meetings are now full of parents. And I think a lot of these elected officials don't know quite what to do because they don't, they've never seen it like this. Yeah, but you think of Loudoun, what happened in Loudoun, Virginia. That's right. That has become like the, the standard or the high watermark for the way I believe communities are going to have to come in and do this vocal thing that you're talking about and parents saying, no more to this stuff. I mean, it's the, the woke ideology yeah. is going crazy right now. Yeah, and they're, and they're just going to keep pushing the needle unless the, the good folks out there say no more. We're not yeah. going to, you know, and we can't allow this. And so we still have a constitution in our country, thank God, although they're trying to erode some mm-hmm. of the religious yeah. liberty and freedom that we enjoy and we've always enjoyed. And that's why I'm in this fight. Uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, uh, when you have a good message uh, where you're able to go out there and speak facts and truth, uh, they don't really have a good argument. Uh, we have the argument according from a constitutional standpoint, from a moral standpoint. Uh, even people, I even know people, Mike, even in the gay community that think that some of this woke stuff has gone way too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's not even just, you know, right, you know, people on the right or conservative Christians. I'm, I'm talking about people that are historic liberals, Kennedy liberals that are like, this is going crazy. But it's that small, it's like three to four percent that have been just pushing the envelope. I, the radical left really is what it is. And, uh, and, and the Christian community has to push back. We have to stand up. How about your story? How did you come to know the Lord? Oh, wow. Well, that's, uh, let me give you a little bit of this. Uh, so I was a child actor. Um, kind really? Of a, yeah, crazy thing. In um, L.A.? In L.A. Uh, I was wow. born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and my parents uh, moved out there. My dad had a great job offer in California, so we moved out there when I was about eight years old. And from eight to 16, I was a child, you know, a child Hollywood actor. I had a great agent because if you don't have a good agent, you don't really get parts. But uh, somehow I got a great agent. So I was, you know, hanging around with Alyssa Milano and, you know, people that were the young Hollywood crowd at that time, you know, uh, crazy. Uh, just some of the things that I saw there. And I think that God actually allowed me to see that. Uh, I actually had friends that had really bad things happen to them yeah. that were, you know, we won't get into that in detail, but you know, thank God uh, I was protected. I feel like the Lord protected me, but at around 16 years old, I told my parents, I said, uh, I just want to have a normal high school experience. You know, I was always on the set. And uh, so what happened was my mom said, well, if that's what you want. And I was making really good money, but she said, Hey, if that's what you want. So I ended up finishing out high school, which was good. Cause I did have a regular high school experience for a couple of years, but I always kept the Hollywood friends and uh, you know, because that's who I had known for years. Mm-hmm. And so I had my Hollywood crowd and then I had my suburban like Valley, you know, in the San Fernando Valley crowd. And uh, but what happened was that Hollywood crowd started partying with illicit drugs and alcohol. And um, they were, you know, sexually uh, promiscuous kind of group. Mm. That's how the Hollywood crowd is. And so from 16 to about 20, that was my life. I was a club kid. I went religiously. It was almost like a church. I went to the club almost every other day uh, in L.A., and they had a really good club scene there, an underground scene. And so even before I was 21, I was in these places. I had fake IDs, and people just let me in, you know. And so uh, it all kind of came to a head. Uh, My parents invited me to a four-square convention in Honolulu uh, out there in Hawaii, and they said, you know, it's a free trip. Just come on out, and uh, all you got to do is go to one meeting. So I go out there. And I went to that one meeting Well, there was a gentleman named Wayne Cadero that was preaching and he just 
preached an amazing message and I felt the spirit of God. And so I was convicted. I walked outside. I was sweating. I was like, something is going on. I got on my knees. I gave my heart to the Lord. And so then I go back home. I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And I said, uh, so I was in Hawaii and I got saved. And she's like, what, is, what <laughs> does that mean? Saved from what? Yeah, exactly. She's like, what does that mean? I said, well, I think it means we can't live together and uh, oh, things man. are going to change. And she had no idea how much it was going to change. So I ended up moving back home with my parents. Here's the crazy thing. I was making really good money as a Hollywood actor. And even after acting, I did promotions and clubs and things. And so I was hanging with these young Hollywood crowd and making good money. And so when I got saved, I had, you know, back to my parents' house. I'm all of a sudden I'm making like minimum wage. I got a job at Macy's or something like that. And uh, that was kind of what I was doing for two years. And I have a real heart for people that are coming out of the world and getting into the church because there's a period of time where you're just in oblivion, like, you know, uh, you have no Christian friends. Mm. You don't want to go back to your worldly friends because they're partying. So I was lonely and I felt kind of, I would stand in the foyer of the church and uh, just to see if anybody would come and say hi to me. And it was like, you know, only the greeters, thank God for the greeters. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for two years, that was the case. So finally I got lonely and I ended up going back to my vomit. I went back to some worldly friends because I was just so lonely. And so there was this one night I left the gym. I went to this apartment complex in Granada Hills, California. And as I'm walking through the complex, I'm going to this apartment. This guy who I think was on drugs or alcohol, he opens the door of the apartment and has a kitchen knife. And it's a very long kitchen knife and proceeded to stab me nine times. What? And yeah. And so one of them was in the heart and it went to the outer membrane of my heart. And so... This man stabbed me. I'm on the ground. I pull up my sweatshirt and he looks at me and I said, dude, you're killing me. I'm going to die. You know, and so I think he sobered up for a second, realized he was about to murder me, picks me up with this girl that he's with screaming. They get in the car that I'm driving and put me in the middle seat. So here's the girl in the front shotgun and the guy that stabbed me is driving. I said, go to Granada Hills Hospital. This hospital, Mike, was just about to close. It was in mothballs. It was only a couple weeks away from being shut down. Now it's a school. Thank God it was there because the next hospital would have been too far. Uh. They on the way to the hospital. And this is why I am a pastor today is I went into the presence of God. I will never forget this. It was such a, a real amazing experience. And it was, it, I went tunnel vision and then all of a sudden I'm in like this white presence of the Lord and I couldn't see God, but I knew I was in the presence of God. I knew I was dying. And the Lord said, do you want to live or do you want to die? I said, I want to live. What else do you say, right? I want to live. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, he said, well, if you live, you got to do two things. You got to tell people that I'm real and you got to be sold out for me for the rest of your life. And so it's kind of like Isaiah chapter six, where it says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne in the train of his robe for the temple. The prophet Isaiah, all he could say at that moment, because he was undone in the presence of the Lord was send me. Right. And that's how I felt. It was like, yes, send me, you know, so. Uh, I said yes, and all of a sudden I wake up. I'm in the hospital. I don't know how I got from the car to the hospital. Uh, I don't know what happened to the guy that stabbed me or my car. I don't know any of this happened. But all I know is I'm in the hospital, and the nurse is looking at me, and she says, There's, you should be dead. You should not be alive. And I knew that that was true, and it was a miracle, and the Lord spared my life. And so uh, here goes this Hollywood actor. Told, last thing ever was to be a pastor and evangelist. My friends thought I was nuts. But I knew that I had an encounter with God, and I knew that I had a mandate from the Lord to tell people that he's real and to be on fire for him. And that was about 23 years ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, and look how God is using you. <sighs> you know, it's really, you think about getting 
that close to death as you were. I mean, nine times, stabbed nine times. Yeah. And, and this guy, do you, did you ever hear whatever happened to the guy that did it? It's, it's a crazy story. So we knew the captain of that uh, division, which is the Devonshire Division Police Department in Los Angeles. And he said, this guy had no record. And uh, because I was in a healing process, he said, do you really want to go through a long trial right now? And uh, honestly, I didn't because I was in recovery mode. Oh, so he just said, we'll take care of him. And so I never really heard from him. But here's what did happen. Uh, there was a mutual friend that knew him. And I uh, this was one of the hardest things. I'm glad you asked this question because I don't always share this uh, that I ever had to do. But the Lord said to me, I had to forgive this man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wrote him a letter and uh, I heard the letter got to him and I heard he was very impacted by it. Wow. That's, that's all I really know. But I think at some point, if, if he's alive, I don't know if he's alive. Some people say that something happened to him. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, but if he is alive, I would love to talk to him. And, you know, it's honestly, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, so the Lord will take your most tragic situation. And it, just as the scripture says in Romans, he'll turn it around yeah. for good. So what was meant it for is. evil will be turned around for good. Yeah. And now this is a story that I get to share with people. Well, it is a great story. Todd and I have to confess that when I was researching you a little bit I saw the actor Todd and I'm like oh, isn't that a coincidence an actor with the same name right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well it's no coincidence at all that was you that's me that's just great what 4,000 people I hear are at this conference what yeah. do you expect Uh, the impact the NRB will have this year? You know, what I love about NRB is it's really a a cross-section of the entire Christian community. So you have people from all different angles and positions, and, you know, you have the media, of course, people like yourself. Uh, I think it's great for us to strategize about how to take back this nation, Uh, you know, things that we talked about in the early part of the the interview here. And uh, it's it's high time that we are people of action. And so I think there's a lot of movers and shakers here. I've already seen a few of them. And uh, so what I love about it is just it's it's kind of networking, but it's also encouragement and uh, a lot of kingdom uh, appointments, you know, where the Lord will set you with a divine appointment and you get to do things together for the glory of the kingdom so that's what i'm expecting and oh, uh, it never it never ceased to me i think it's like my fifth or sixth one that i've been to well it's really great to meet you todd and uh, I've, I've read wonderful things about you finally got to meet you and have you on the program we wish you the very best thank you and man thank you for standing up and having that courage to speak out into the darkness because if there's one word that we all need to hear this day it's the fact that Jesus is Lord. That's right. You know, I, I try to focus on the positive, and that is exactly the positive, is that Jesus is Lord. He said he'll, he's with us until the end of the age. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. His plan is hope in a future, and his promise is yes and amen. So I'm going to stand on that and occupy until he comes, and I'm thankful for people like yourself as well, well Thank you, Todd. Todd Coconato, my guest. We'll be back in a moment from NRB. Don't go away. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. 
That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back at the NRB, and we are here today with my good friend, John Stenberger, from the area. He's obviously the president of the Florida Family Policy Council. Here today, though, not representing so much the council, but John has an exciting book called Legacy of Life, and it's honoring 50 of the greatest pro-life leaders of the last 50 years and it is always an honor to have my friend John Stimberger, attorney in Orlando. Welcome, my friend. Mike, great to be with you. Now, this is an exciting thing that you're doing with this book. Now, first of all, I've got to I've got to pause for just a second. Having the, had the the big banquet that you just had this past weekend, uh, man, almost 800 people. Yeah. That had to be something that was a thrill for you, right? It was amazing. It was the best event. We've been doing these dinners for 18 years, and Governor DeSantis was just a rock star, and everybody responded well. Yeah. We had the honor of giving him the William Wilberforce Award. It was a beautiful right. ceremony with candles and a bagpipe. Uh, and I got to sit and, next yeah. to the bag, bagpipe guy. Did you really? Yeah, That's Ben. Great. His name's Ben. <laughs> yep. Ben the bagpipe. Yep. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. Having that come down, it was a very meaningful moment when he was playing Amazing Grace. Yeah, yeah and yeah. the fact that John Newton, we played the clip with John Newton, who authored Amazing Grace right. uh, in the movie Amazing Grace, Wilberforce and Newton are interacting and talking about, you know, his recounting the horrible treatment of the slaves and how he even references Amazing Grace in the clip, and then we go right to the bagpipe scene. It was, it was very cool. So you've been doing these, I think, for what, 18 years? Yeah, Is that right? that's right. And this one had to be like the cherry on the, on the top because of the fact the governor was there, uh, national news media was there. I've never seen one of these like that before. Yeah. But they were there, and from your standpoint, how has the press coverage been? It's been all negative. I mean, um, <clears throat> the New York Times had two beautiful photographs, at least, but they're all focusing on, oh, Governor didn't say enough about abortion. I thought his speech was fine. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, we're interested in action, not words. I mean, a lot of politicians say a lot of stuff. We're interested in, in, in men of action, and that's what Governor DeSantis is. He's a man of action. We asked him to protect unborn children after they have a detectable heartbeat at six weeks. He did that. He led the legislative process through that, and so we're very pleased with the outcome. Well, I am too, and you know, we always know that there's not going to be a lot of nice words said from the mainstream media. That's not to That's be expected. Right. But I'm just, I'm, I just think it was great for the policy council that they were there, that the governor came. Obviously, you've had favor with the governor personally. And he has been at a couple of your Tallahassee events. So that's pretty great. But let's talk for a moment about this exciting book. What led you to, to becoming now an author of this kind of book? You know, I have talked for decades about the day when Roe versus Wade would be overturned. And it was just this thing we talked about. We tried to be positive about it. In my heart, I never really knew it would happen. And when it actually happened, it was just remarkable because so many people have worked for decades and decades, over 50 years yeah. for this moment. And while there was some dinners and there was the National March for Life, there just wasn't a lot done that I thought was a permanent commemoration of celebrating the moment and celebrating the people that got us to this moment whose shoulders we now stand upon. Mm -hmm. And so we did a couple things. First, we commissioned a poster, a piece of artwork that says Life Wins. <clears throat> it's a beautiful, that's all the major newspapers on it, and it says Life Wins, has the date. And June you handed 24th. that out. I yeah. got one. Oh, yep. I'm excited about and it. So a lot of people have framed that. That's gone all over the country. We also did a booklet on a five-part strategy on... Uh, Post row thinking clearly yeah. after row. Yeah. But still we wanted something that was more powerful, that was a piece of artwork that really commemorated um, the beauty of the moment. And so 
we commission the book. Um, and this is a 12 by 12 commemorative table book. It's full color. It's beautiful in every way. And we're honoring 50 of the greatest leaders of the pro-life movement of the last 50 years. Yeah. And we have 50 major authors writing the tributes to each of these uh, leaders who are being honored. So for instance, Al Mohler wrote the tribute to Francis Schaeffer. Dr. Robbie George at Princeton wrote the tribute to Mother Teresa. Ryan Anderson wrote the tribute to Pope John Paul. Marco Rubio wrote a tribute. Uh, Kevin Roberts at Heritage Foundation wrote a tribute. So we have these high profile people writing the tributes. Um, we are releasing the names of the, of the leaders who have been deceased. We are not releasing the living leaders though until the book is published and is available for full sale on the 26th mm -hmm. folks can buy it now at legacyoflifebook.com that's legacyoflifebook.com and order pre-order so they'll be the first to get it but this is a gorgeous piece of artwork each of the two pages are devoted to these leaders so there's pages pictures from their past and their present there's this beautiful tribute from another leader honoring them and it's it's also the history of the movement because it's laid out historically jack wilkie phyllis schlafly in the beginning and then you have like you know guys like david delighton toward the end right and yeah. so it's it kind of you you learn the history of the movement through reading the stories of these people and there's some powerful interesting amazing little pieces of history church history that are unfolded in these books in these in these tributes and it's really a remarkable piece that you want to have for your family even to hand down to children and grandchildren now you mentioned it's coming soon right on the 26th of june um, yeah. That's Monday the 26th. We're gonna, it's going to be on sale. Just a little over a month the away. The books will be published away. They might go on the press earlier than that. Uh, they're actually being printed literally as we speak uh, in, in Lake Mary right now. Hmm. They're beautiful. I saw the prints. I almost cried. It was so hmm. beautiful. Clint Klein with Design 4 along with Brian Ickes did all the artwork. And it's a beautiful piece of history and artwork in a book. And that's a very unique gift. And we think people that really understand the pro-life issue and labor in it, um, we have a tribute to the unknown activist in the back of the book for all those people that labored will never be known, mm -hmm. never be recognized. Right. And then we have a tribute to mothers that chose life in the back as well. So final two tributes after the 50 leaders. Well, I know that some of the people from uh, the community were at the banquet this past Saturday night, like Vicki Matthews from Choices, yeah. and they work every day with some of these unknown right. heroes that... Yeah. You may not make the press, may not make the news, but they're out there every day counseling these women, trying to talk them out of what would be the worst mistake of their life yep. and one that they can't come back from once they make that mistake. So it, it really is incredible that you're doing this. And I know on the cover of, in very nice, big, bold print, the name Ben Shapiro, who's who has written the foreword. So tell us about that. Well, we have three goals with the book. The first goal is to honor those men and women whose shoulders we now stand upon. The second goal is to educate people about the history of the movement. The third goal, which is the most exciting part, is to inspire young people to become the next Lila Rose, the next David Daleiden, the next Kristen Hawkins. And really, we need a whole new generation of young people to rise up and become the next leaders for the next generation. And so this book is beautiful. There's nothing churchy or religious about it. We wanted to make it so beautiful and so powerful that even a pro-choice person would pick it up and go, wow, what is this? Hmm. And the cover is stunning. Yeah, it's the, very The artwork nice. is stunning. Yeah. The back has this kind of image of all the leaders on the back of it. So it's really a gorgeous piece of artwork. And so... Uh, we wanted a, a, someone to do the forward that was a high-profile author who could appeal to young people. And so Ben Shapiro, we had this long list of leaders. Ben Shapiro was at the top of the list. I didn't think he would do it, but we contacted his people, and he said yes, and we were, like, totally thrilled. <laughs> and bet. his forward is yeah. just extremely powerful. Yeah, he is a representation, maybe the greatest representation of this uh, young people that are stepping up 
and not just, I mean, honestly, John, he's got wisdom that's beyond his years. Yep. And, yep. you know, you, you have to believe that God's prepared him for that. That's right. And that God is calling other young people like him. I think of Charlie Kirk, who I believe is doing the same yep. type of thing. Yep. So that's got to be encouraging for you to see this next generation of leadership stepping up to the front. Well, that's the goal. And that's why we picked Ben Shapiro. And we're thrilled that he agreed to do the forward. Yeah. So. What are you most excited about now in this year? We've crossed, almost crossed, not yet, uh, June 24th. It's coming up. will be the one-year anniversary since post-row. What do you think is the most exciting thing that you're seeing happen with this pro-life movement? Well, that's a great question. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ebb and flow. We have about 22 states now that are prohibited almost all abortions. We have about an equal number of states that are allowing all abortions without exception, uh, all through nine months of pregnancy, mm -hmm. very radical abortion policy. Um, so it's now going to be a battle in those blue states that are pro-abortion rights to just go back to the drawing board. We have to educate people. We have to show pictures of the unborn child, make the argument for the personhood and the humanity and the beauty of the unborn child that every human being, no matter how they came about, needs protection in life. And so we just have to go back and, and persuade people on those. We, we want this to be like the, the slavery issue, that it took decades to get there, but eventually we convinced the entire society at every level that slavery was barbaric, it was horrific, it was cruel, and it needed to be abolished from the world. Yeah. And so that's, that's the kind of mentality we need to have. We need to have a long-range, multi-generational, centuries mentality in order to get this where everybody in the world thinks the same way about it. You know, we hear the word systemic often, and it's negative for pro-life movement, negative for really uh, Christian movements. It's often a tie to racism of all things. But this whole thing about what happened with slavery, that was a systemic problem that was addressed by these men, including Wilberforce. That's right. And who would have believed, I'm sure, alive that day, no one would have ever given them yeah. a, a quarter's chance That's exactly that right. this would pass, but they did it. Yep. against all odds. Wilberforce stood up there and the only member of parliament and he put in now the bill to abolish the slave trade, did it over and over again for 18 years, Mike. Uh, and eventually he saw the abolition of the slave trade mm -hmm. and eventually saw the abolition of the entire slavery in the British Empire. I mean, they literally outlawed slavery in 1833 uh, and he died three days later. It was remarkable, a life well lived. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment, and a lot of personal sacrifice to get there. Now, one of the things that you have done, in addition to the incredible work for pro-life, you're standing strong against these things that are going on in our culture regarding transgenderism. This is one of the biggest threats, I would think, that it's facing all of us today. It's affect women's sports, obviously, but beyond women's sports, it's, it's affecting our daily life. And it's it just kind of gotten to the crazy stage. Would you agree? Yeah, I think, Mike, we have a crisis of epistemology. Epistemology is a philosophical word, word meaning what is real. What is real. What yeah. is real. Right. And so we, have, we can't discern anymore as a society. And there are certain radical members of the world trying to act as if objective reality doesn't count for anything. You can redefine every, every category of reality in your own, in your own way. <clears throat> this is a problem. It's an attack upon truth. And this is what I loved about what Governor DeSantis said. I heard him say for the first time that woke is basically an attack upon truth <clears throat> um, and that we need to attack woke because woke is a lie. Woke is yeah. about attacking the yeah. truth and objective reality about what's real in the world, starting with the biology of our own physical sexuality, 
which is clearly binary from the moment of conception. And so it goes on to many, many other things, but this is why uh, we need to, to, to be concerned about these things. And this trans thing is, is nothing more than child abuse. It is horrific what they do mm-hmm. to mutilate a child's genitals, uh, to cut off breasts. There, Mike, there are 50,000 minors, 50,000 minors yeah. online right now trying to go fund me to get their breasts cut off. Girls who are underage. This is an epidemic. I mean, just 10, 20 years ago, we didn't have this. No, And it was no. mostly boys, young boys. Now it's mostly girls and not when they're young because that's when the, that's when the diagnosis is for, yeah. for gender dysphoria, when, the, when you're small. These are girls who are teenage girls are suddenly saying, oh yeah, I'm trans. And, and they're experimenting with this stuff. And so instantly they become a rock star. They become very popular. My sister's been a school teacher for many, many years. So John, if any kid says they're transgender, they become a rock star. I mean, they just are lauded with, oh, you're courageous. We love you. And so, you know, kids on the spectrum, kids are like a little different, uh, who are depressed, whatever it is. Those are the kids that are likely to say, hey, let's do this. This will change my situation in life. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that and playing with fire as it is, not realizing, I'm sure, to the extent of how damaging this is going to be to their life. And I know you had a young lady that was at your pro-family days that was part of that movement as well and actually went through some of the surgeries, right? Chloe Cole. She's a rock star. She's testified in 18 legislatures already. We have taken over her schedule. We've become her official kind of manager of what she does because her work is so important. Our board said, we need to help this girl. Wow. And so we are, we've taken over that and we're straight. She's going to be speaking, Mike. This is breaking. I don't think anyone knows this. She's going to be speaking before every attorney general in the country. Is that right? And that's huge. That is huge. So she is making a difference with her voice. And New York Times just did a hit piece on her, front page hit piece in the New York Times, <laughs> saying that, oh, this one little girl is out there lying to everybody that this is not representative of the trans community. And it's just, she's, she's an amazing young lady, and we're very pleased to be a part of her team. Yeah, isn't it funny how that storied newspapers that we're supposed to uh, trust, you know, that <laughs> we've right. been around forever. And yep. hey, yep. I've heard people say, if you read it in the Wall Street Journal, it has to be true. Yeah, right. That. Same thing was said over the internet. Yep. Uh, the, these are times that we have to really know truth. You That's have right. to know truth, and the truth will set you free. But there's a lot out there saying that it's true that yep. is not true. Bible so. says over and over again, the Old and New Testament, what? Do not be deceived. deceived. Yeah. That's because as Christians, we should be people of the light, people of truth. We should be proclaiming the truth, starting with the gospel, and then the truth, just the common grace truths about men and women and human sexuality and what is real and what's not real. And the world is just turning everything upside down. You haven't had time, but I'm sure that when you do have a moment, you can sit back and reflect on the powerful stuff that happened at that banquet Saturday night. That was amazing. And even getting to hear you talk about the book that you've got in front of you right now, which I can't wait to see, Legacy of Life. It's coming out next month. Just about a month from now, the 26th, I June think. June 26th. But you June can pre-order 26th. now at LegacyOfLifeBook.com. Now, are you going to get to talk about this while you're here at the NRB besides yes. this one? Yes, that's my main goal is yeah. to just talk, promote the book and talk about it. So. 4,000 people here, John. Yeah. Uh, this is a big thing. It seems like right now we're living in the day of uh, awakening. Yep. A lot of people are waking up to the crazy stuff that's going on. Yep. And your book is going to help people do that. 50 stories. You mentioned one of them the other night by Jack Wilkie. Uh, tell us that one. Can you talk about that yeah, for a moment? Yeah, so Jack Wilkie was one of the first people in the pro-life movement after Roe. There were people working before Roe, but he was working before Roe as well. 
1972, but he's amazing. Uh, he actually, there's a story in the book, he interacts with uh, Vice, then Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush, um, and he's not, he's pro-choice back then. Yeah. And so he sits down with him and he says, Mr. Mr. Vice President, I'd like to talk to you about your position on abortion. And, and, and Bush opens his mouth and, and, and Wilkie said, no, 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 stop, stop. I, I don't want you to tell me what your position is. I want you to listen to me. And, and he says, Bush says, okay. And so he says, I, want, I need three hours of your time. He said, three hours? That's <laughs> your time. <laughs> of the vice president. So he literally gets him, convinced him to do it. Jack Wilkie flies to Kenny Bunkport in the living room while Barbara Bush is watching. He gives a full presentation, slideshow, talks about fetal development, talks about all these laws and issues. And then he says, now, Mr. President, and, and, and literally George, George Bush says, you've changed my mind. I, I will support a human life amendment. Uh, and, and it's just amazing. He literally changed his mind hmm. through that advocacy that he did. And if he just would have said, tell me your position, that would have been it. But yeah. he, he said, wait, let me just educate you first. And so it's a remarkable story. One of many, many, many stories in the book. How can people get this pre-ordering done? Legacyoflifebook.com. It can be ordered online. It's, it's a, it's a, this is a big gift. I mean, it's beautiful. It's in full color. It's 12 by 12, which is bigger than probably any mm-hmm. book in your house. Um, it is a $54 investment, it's, but it, we are not making any money on this. It's literally what it costs to make the book. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a, it's a commemorative edition. There's only limited numbers. And then when they're gone, they're gone. So we want to encourage people to get it now. It'd be a great Christmas present or just something to hand to your children. This is such a great educational tool. It's beautiful. It's The, the stories are riveting, and it's a fascinating book. Love it. John Stenberger president of the Florida Family Policy Council and the editor of this book, Legacy of Life. I appreciate you dropping by my booth here at the NRB. Thanks, Mike. All right. We'll be back in a moment from the NRB. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. With me right now, someone that I met two years ago in Dallas at the NRB, Susie Jennings. Uh, Her life took an un expected turn let's just say it that way she's a registered nurse and she is the founder and the president of operation care international tell us a little bit about Susie, how you got involved and god gave you this burden how did that happen well out of my brokenness uh, because of my husband's suicide i decided to choose joy and i found my purpose helping the homeless and the Bible said, he is kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, Proverbs 19:17. And when I was growing up in the Philippines in my mother's kitchen, my mother used to feed the homeless and I didn't like it because they ate my food, occupied I my space. I remember that, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's what they did. And I, one of them slapped me. Oh my goodness, that'll make an impression on a young person. Yes, and uh, moving forward, God called me to a ministry I didn't like people I didn't want after my husband committed suicide I asked God what can I do for you and God led me under the bridge in downtown Dallas he said you go under the bridge and help the homeless living in cardboard boxes and mm. I said no not me these are crazy people I didn't like them one of them slapped me when I was a little girl and my mother fed her so I really could not stand homeless people mm. not knowing that God 
will change my life through the death of my husband. So I found joy uh, through uh, just trusting God by reading the word. And the Bible said, weeping me endure for a night. Joy mm-hmm. comes in the morning. So I decided I'm going to just trust the Lord. I asked him, Lord, what can I do for you? He led me under the bridge. And when he said, go under the bridge, he said, no, not me. He said, you ask me, what can you do for me? So that's what I did. Uh, I left um, my job later on, and then I served the homeless. That's amazing. And you've been doing this for now? 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. And isn't it funny, Susie, how that God will give us these uh, opportunities. We don't think of them as opportunities. Like in your case, it was like, uh, this is a ministry I don't want. But God does it. And then he changes your heart and makes you have a heart for what you're doing, right? Yes. And uh, actually, uh, amazing thing is we, we are hosting the largest birthday party for Jesus in America with up to 15,000 people that would attend with 3,700 volunteers and uh, coming from about 300 churches. And we provide for the homeless the spiritual and physical needs, not only homeless, but the poor of Dallas, mm-hmm. Texas. Yes. And the vision is that this birthday party every third Saturday of December will be going in all over the world, 195 countries and 50 states. Right now, we are in 51 countries and 23 states. Wow. This is it. What are you seeing happen later this year? What, what is going to be going on? Yes. You mentioned this birthday party. Yes, we have. We are so excited. This is our 20th year anniversary. So in the morning, we're going to have a birthday party for Jesus at the Dallas Convention Center, occupying 500,000 square feet, where we share the gospel to the people and then wash their feet. That's the trademark of Operation Care. We wash the homeless feet. And then we provide for eyeglasses, we provide uh, clothing, coats, sleeping bags, blankets, food, entertainment, and we share Jesus one-on-one. And then the children have um, rock wall climbing, they do have zip lines, and also petting zoo, and the gospel is presented, and also foot washing. And out of that, God gave me a vision wherein this will be replicated all over the world. So this year is a greatest celebration it's 20th year anniversary Mm. so in the morning we will have an event for the homeless in dallas we're expecting 15,000 poor and homeless to come and then on the evening for the first time ever we're gonna do an event called one day movement 23 wherein we will have an evangelistic first ever evangelistic global live streaming event where nick boyshek is the main speaker oh. and we're trying to get some other big speakers to come and He's then Shane fantastic. and Shane. Yes. Yeah. So it will be the first global wherein it would reach hopefully our goal is to reach millions, one million or more people that would listen to this and we're gonna live stream it again in December 24 uh, at 7 p.m. This has got to be just uh, shocking you, <laughs> blowing your mind that, that you've got so much going on in this one event. I mean, that's going to be incredible. How, are, how is your team there in Dallas? How are they getting the word out to the homeless? How oh, does that happen? Well, we, we partner with different uh, homeless ministries. So that's in the morning. And we're 20 years old, so we're known in mm-hmm. Dallas in that we have the party. Area. But in the evening... So in the morning, we're going to serve the homeless and the poor. In the evening, it will open up to the world. It will be an evangelistic celebration that would open up to the world. The gospel will be presented, and we are expecting about 8,500 people in the arena 
because that's the only seat that they could have and mm. then it would be live stream on that day so there are two events one in the morning for the homeless and the poor in the evening it will open up to the people it said each one bring one one believer needs to bring a non-believer that night is that right and they get to hear the gospel they get to hear the gospel wow. so that's the greatest gift we could uh, do for jesus so number one you could um show showing is uh when we show god's love in action foot washing is trademark share evangelism is the heartbeat where we share with every guest the good news of jesus christ celebrate on the evening is celebrating jesus for what he has done because this is our 20th year that's when we do this opening first ever evening evangelistic celebration and so we want the listeners to please um go to our website to learn more and we want our radio stations to please support us and put this in your radio, announce it. That's why we're here at NRB. NRB is number one, our number one uh, supporter as well and partner. Now, the event itself is going to be in December. December 16th. December 16th, and it's going to be from 7 to 9. Yes. And it's not like any small venue that it's going to be here. It's going to be in the Dallas, Dallas Convention Center in their 8,500-seat arena. And it's also going to be live streamed again all mm -hmm. over the, the world. world. Now, this, uh, in case people aren't uh, aware of Nick, can tell us a little bit about Nick's background. Your special guest that night. Well, Nick is uh, arm. He didn't have any. He doesn't have any arms and legs. He's the man without limbs, and he was born that way. And he's an evangelist that shares the gospel all over the world. Number one motivational speaker. He has 10 million followers. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Yes. A and people would think that there's no way this guy can do this without arms or legs. And he is one of the most positive, delightful individuals that one could ever imagine. Oh, absolutely. That's why we're going to partner with him. So we would ask our two ways that you can help is that promote the one day movement in radio stations, TV, uh, anywhere, uh, magazine, newspaper, then participate. You can help us reach millions with the living hope of Jesus by embedding the evangelistic celebration on your social media. So this is historical for us, first time ever, yeah. doing a global digital live streaming evangelistic celebration, reaching millions in one day. Hashtag one day million heirs, H-E-I-R-S, million heirs. Heirs, like, like an heir of a, a promise. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't like millions. I want billions, okay? <laughs> one day billion heirs. So be a part. You can do this in your city, and you especially you could promote and participate. You especially. In ch I'm challenging each one of your listeners to pray for us, get involved. The, gift, the vision is now given to you. All right, now um, let's do this real, we've got just a couple of minutes left. I'd like for you to speak to hearts of people who really don't get it about homeless people. They, they might even look at them with, di with the disdain. And I know in my own hearts, there've been time in my own heart, I've passed by at times where I just didn't want to be troubled. I mean, I'm just being honest. That, that happens to everyone. Speak, if you will, about this thing that God did in you to transform your heart and how and what can they do uh, to change them, their own hearts. Hello, friends. 
if God can change my heart, they can change yours. In the beginning, I didn't want any homeless people next to me. I could not stand them because one of them slapped me and they ate my food when I was growing up, occupied my space, not knowing that one day God would call me to a ministry I didn't like, people I didn't want. And guess what? After God called me, it changed my heart. So you really could do something Ask God, what can you do for him? But be ready because it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. It's going to take you. Me, God took me to 15 countries serving about 33,000 children, the poor children around the world. And the goal is to reach the ministry to over 195 countries and 50 states. We're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday in one day, celebrating only one person. His name is Jesus. Yes. And this uh, event is going to be on right out around that birthday December as well. December 16th. Yeah, December 16th, but it's going to be rebroadcast on the 24th yes, on Christmas Eve at uh, 7 p.m. And it will be, of course, in your respective time zone. That website is www.opcare.org. Opcare.org. The phone number is 972-681-3567. Susie, you are a dynamo of energy for the Lord, and I so appreciate you. Remember, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. I love it. Susie Jennings, thank you for being with me. Thank you, Mike. So that about wraps up day number one down here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. In the main session on Monday night, we heard for the second time in about three nights now, I heard the governor and he just lit it up last night. It was quite amazing on Monday night as Governor Ron DeSantis brought the the house down really in all of the announcements about the accomplishments for pro-life, for pro-Israel, for pro-business in Florida. It was just an amazing talk. And then we also heard a very interesting chat from Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham. And of course, Franklin leads this incredible organization called Samaritan's Purse. And just hearing his story and how that that ministry began was quite impressive. So there's going to be a lot going on down here. It is a meeting of broadcasters, of podcasters, of authors and speakers. Anyone who's getting the word out, uh, that's what this is all about. About 4,000 attendees, one of the biggest NRBs in quite a while, down at the World Marriott Center. And that's where I am. And that's where I'll be talking with uh, more people for the program tomorrow. Hope you can join us then. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.